Welcome to this special Conversations Shelter in Place episode of the Orbital Perspective Podcast. Where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. T-minus 17 seconds and counting. 15, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, go for main engine start, main engine start, 2, 1, Booster ignition and liftoff of the Space Shuttle Discovery, returning to the space station, paving the way for future missions beyond. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, another conversation, sheltered in place. I hope this uh, finds everybody healthy and safe and, and happy and, and navigating uh, our crisis. Um, this episode is. Uh, all about navigating the crisis, the crisis known as 2020. And uh, I have a tremendous guest, uh, guest converser today, who uh, is just an amazing, amazing person who has uh, experienced incredible uh, adversity in her life and, uh, and has dealt with many, many different crises. And uh, through those has developed a, an incredible resiliency and an, and an incredible wisdom. And so it's, it's really going to be exciting. Uh, I, I'm sure we're going to have a very powerful conversation. And uh, I'm, I'm really 
happy to have uh, on board today uh, a good friend, uh, uh, Alyssa Fisher-Harris. And uh, Alyssa is the Chief Impact Officer for the Fifth Element Group, where she directs the company's impact initiatives. She is also the creator, host, and executive producer of a new video podcast launching this month called A World on Purpose. Alyssa brings 30 years of experience as a global leader and an executive at the intersections of the impact and well-being sectors. Alyssa's rich career path includes owning her own strategy consulting company, leading communications for a stem cell technology company, and a major health brand, and her appointment to the Bureau of Naturopathic Medicine by Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. She serves as an advisor and is an active member of a number of boards, including the President's Council for the U.S. National Women's History Museum, 100% Human at Work, a global workplace initiative founded by Richard Branson, and the Los Angeles Community Healing Gardens. She also supports in advocacy and in an advisory role for not-for-profits such as the 1% for the Planet Foundation. She is a consummate champion for the underdog and fights for social justice and the concept of a shared humanity. Her personal life story is one of insurmountable adversity out of which came her incredible resilience, which she has channeled into a deep desire to live a purpose-driven life. And with that, everybody, please help me welcome Alyssa Fisher-Harris. Hey, Alyssa. Hi, Ron, how are you? How you doing? I'm great. I'm doing good. I think we have a. I think we have a. I think we have a delay. <laughs> oh no! Do so, we? Yeah. At least on my end. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully, people that are watching this live are not seeing that. So, uh, any anybody who's watching live, if you see a delay in Alyssa's transmission between her mouth moving and the and the audio coming <laughs> coming over, let me let me know. But, right. I've got it. But but um, hopefully. Hopefully it's just just on my end. Um, so welcome to everybody who's joining. We've got folks joining from all around the world, and I want to remind everybody to, that this is not an interview of one person interviewing another person. This is a conversation between two friends, but it's more than a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. So so we want uh, we want everybody to be a part of this. And and Thomas is saying that there's no lag, so that's good. It's I guess it's just on my end. So uh, so how are you doing today? Great. <laughs> other, other than the technical difficulties we had starting this, sorry about that. Yeah, actually, it's not lagging for me anymore. Okay, yeah. So why don't we just start off by um, just sharing a little bit about your life story and uh, uh, you know, let, giving people an opportunity to get to know you a, a little bit and uh, and you know what what we're hoping to get out of this conversation is concrete things that folks can do to, to help navigate this crisis. Because, you know, whether or not you're physically affected by COVID-19, there's a lot of people right now, as we all know, that are suffering, right? There's, uh, in a lot of cases, it's reported, a lot of areas, it's reported that domestic violence is, is on the rise, that, that uh, uh, mental health issues are on the rise. And it, it's obvious that uh, a lot of people uh, are dealing with stress and, and are having a hard time navigating the crisis. And I think there's a lot in your life story that that um, can serve as a jump off point to, to help people um, manage their way through this and navigate through. And, and again, not just to get through it, but to get through it stronger and more unified than ever. So if, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I'm sure everybody would, would love to hear. Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much 
for having me here. And you know, I'm a huge fan of yours as a human being and as uh, just all the incredible stuff you've done in your life and what you also do for humanity. So and I, vice versa. <laughs> what was that? And vice versa. Thank you. Um, and sorry about all the technical difficulties. I normally had better lighting and all that, but we're, we're going to crisis. So we're, we're doing our best. Cool. You're not um, in the face like I am, but that's, it's okay. I know you have a cool background. I, I need a much cooler background than yeah. that. I'm a little bit jealous. Um, well, you know, so you know my story, obviously, for the, those who don't, um, it, it's a really, it's kind of hard to encapsulate it all in a short span, but I'll, I'll try and um, I'll lead by saying, if anyone has ever seen the movie, The Piano with Adrian Brody, I kind of give that as a, as a lead in because that's a movie where you watch this man based on a true story and that he, he literally every, every step along the way where he thinks he's coming out of something, some ma major thing that's happening to him, something comes along and just takes his legs out from under him over and over and over again. And that's pretty much how my life has been for, for the majority of it. Um, I, I, um, was born in Denver, Colorado in, in 1970, the big 5-0 in a few weeks uh, in August. So that's kind of exciting. And uh, unfortunately, my I was born to really, really young parents. Um, you know, they, they were doing the best that they could, but my, my they were very young, 20 years old. And my mom had a condition that at the time, which wasn't really understood much uh, around mental health, but she later we understood that she had schizophrenia. And because of that condition, it made it really, really difficult for uh, my father to keep a, a sustainable life for me and my brother and our family. So the long and short of it is uh, it was it was, the instability was ongoing pretty much from birth till the age of 13. And I grew up homeless uh, as a kid on and off for those fir first 13 years. And I can literally count on my hand the few times we actually had a place to live with furniture and kind of what seemed like a normal environment. And then the next thing I knew because of some situation with my mom's condition, uh, you know, she, she would freak out, panic, have a thing, and my dad would lose a job, and then we would, next thing I knew, we would be living in the car again. So we lived in cars, motels, uh, the shelter a couple times. Sometimes I had to stay with a couple of friends growing up. Um, and, and all the while, you know, my mom was actually really abusive, unfortunately, to me. Um, and my dad did the best he could in terms of like finding his coping mechanism at the time was with some, you know, unfortunately alcohol and, and drugs, which thankfully, I mean, he's my hero. He's come out of it beautifully. He's been uh, sober for many, many decades. And uh, he really, you know, stuck by his family when people could have left for less. So in that situation, um, we ended up leaving California uh, sorry, we ended up leaving Denver, Colorado, which is where I was born and I spent most of my childhood, um, moving to California. And we ended up in Northern California and that was at age 12. And so for that year between 12 and 13, uh, it was a really, really difficult year. We were in and out of motels. I was trying to go to school. Meanwhile, by the way, this whole time I was trying to go to school uh, because I knew somewhere inside of me that school was gonna be my saving grace if I just had an education and I learned how to um, be around people. And I, I really gave myself the tools to survive and not just survive, but thrive. I somehow innately knew that and I don't know where it came from, but it was there. And so uh, we, in that time frame of that one year, things were getting really bad and my mom was in a very bad way. And um, we were in a Motel 6 in Santa Rosa, California and uh, I was actually really afraid for my safety. 
And so I had a conversation with my father about how I needed to leave. And I was either going to run away, you know, and some terrible things were going to happen. Or, um, you know, I, I knew that there was a relative in California, my mom's sister, who was the only relative in her delusional mind was a safe relative. And I thought that she might let me come stay with her. And I had no idea where she was. I mean, California is a huge state. I'm 13. And I'm thinking she's somewhere out there. Maybe she'll let me come stay with her. And two days later, she came and picked me up. And it was like an absolute lease on life. And I literally had to my name. Do you remember those old file boxes in the 70s and 80s that were metal with the like the lid and the little lock on them? Yeah, that I think I still have some. <laughs> yeah, so I had one of those. And I literally had everything I owned was in this little box. And it was little collectibles and some journals and some things that I kept that were sort of my things that made me feel attached to some normalcy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took that and I left with my aunt and moved with her to this amazing experience of living in this incredible little town up in Northern California. Uh, yep. called and how old were you at the time? I was 13. 13. Yeah. And, uh, and it was the first time I really got an experience to like be in a community and be with people that, you know, had grown up there for generations and with amazing, uh, all of my high school friends were so welcoming and great. And uh, it was kind of a weird thing to be living with your aunt you know, when you were, when most people were living with their, their families, but a, a lot of kids in the school had, you know, different things that they were dealing with too. So I wasn't like totally alone there, but uh, the long and short of it is, is I, I was able to go and do suddenly normal things I never was able to do. I was able to be a cheerleader and uh, ASB president and participate with all my friends at, at, at events and choir and all those fun things and prom. And, um, but somewhere inside of me, I always knew that I always felt like I was going to, I was struggled with not being good enough and not being like I was worthy of things. And so I would later in life have more adversity happen, which I'll go into that would challenge me to learn how to step into that part of myself and embrace it and heal it. And so I worked through high school, you know, I got out of high school. I had to go to summer school for three summers in order to uh, catch up for all the school that I'd missed. My aunt um, let me get into a program with the high school principal that was called Upward Bound. It was a great program. A lot of kids that come from underprivileged backgrounds go. And then fast forward into college, I put myself totally through school, didn't have any help, grants, scholarships. Uh, I had 19, 19 units and three jobs. And I got really sick in my 20s. And um, no one could figure out what was wrong with me. And I was the heaviest I'd ever been, the sickest I'd ever been. I was had headaches all the time. I didn't feel good. And uh, I was the medical community basically said, you know, you're just a stressed female college student, go away. And I uh, figured out um, my first experience with holistic health, which at the time was considered alternative. Now it's fully mainstream integrative. And so I was able to get myself back on track. I had acquired adult onset allergy to gluten and dairy products before that was ever a thing. Yeah. And just all that kind of stuff. So I became a real advocate for health and well-being in that space. Not knowing, I studied everything I could about health and wellness. I was a self-taught nutritionist. I became a personal trainer to help put myself through college, certified, did all these things, not knowing that that would set me up in my early 30s for what was probably the most tragic experiences next to my mom was losing two husbands to cancer by the time I was 34. And strangely, it was it was a very rare cancer that they both happened to get, which only affects 10,000 people a year in the United States. It's called sarcoma. And I somehow got two of them. And so uh, that was a really, really hard experience uh, to deal with and be a caregiver and help support myself and, and their amazing families and, and try and go through that and watch, literally watch somebody 
disintegrate in front of you and then have to watch them go. Um, at a young age too was, I mean, I was young at 34. I had all these dreams and plans of having family and, you know, the husband and, and doing things I wanted to do. And so that kind of cold cocked me and, and mm -hmm. I didn't expect it. Um, but I, I've had a lot of other really terrible things happen. I, I was a victim of, of, of sexual assault and I don't even like to say victim really. I like to say unfortunate recipient because I don't want to have my power taken away from me in that situation. Um, and just a lot of other things that have happened in between uh, from every scope of life you can imagine. And like I said, at every time, at every turn that I felt like I was coming out into the light, something would come over and just take my legs out. And so I think through that experience, I really started doing things very early on at 17. Um, I, I wanted to be a psychology major in, in school and I enrolled in that. And then when I started taking those classes, I realized that I couldn't help anyone until I helped myself. So I became an English major instead and a communicator. And I started doing everything like I could, you know, inner child workshops and therapy and counseling and, you know, spiritual things and uh, to really try to give myself the tools to to heal and didn't know I would be using those things and doing even more things all along the way up until this point in my life. So that's a lot. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, um, before, Before I say, I say anything, anything, just you have both your iPad and your computer on right now. I do. I'm asking if you do. I I can if you want me to. No, no, no. I'm just I'm getting echo from my voice all over your. No, thing. no, I don't. Okay, okay. So I don't know where that's coming from. Um, I think I should have uh, um, read your bio after that. <laughs> because <laughs> it's my professional bio. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I think it's no. What I mean by that is it's it's absolutely. Uh, incredible that you were able to accomplish all that you've accomplished in your life after uh, facing so much un unbelievable adversity. I mean, any one of those things would take most people down <laughs> and somehow, um, somehow you were, you, you, you uh, not only were able to rise above that and get through it, but get through it and, and thrive. And so, Thank so you. you're, you're one tough cookie. <laughs> I try. I don't have my moments where I don't feel so tough, but, um, yeah. but you know, Ron, I, I, one of the things that really helped me, um, and I think part of what you wanted to discuss was how do you get through all this stuff? You know, the different things. I don't know where it came from, honestly, like I said, but there was always this part of me that wanted to help people. And I, I sort of used that unconsciously as a tool, I think, to help me yeah. feel like I had value in the world. So I would volunteer at homeless shelters. I would volunteer and speak with kids that had been abused. I would go and do stuff in the community. I was always sort of also not knowing that I was a strategist at the time, um, putting like companies together with organizations locally to kind of help lift each other up and sort of see how they could support each other and and not knowing that that would come this, become this career path where I'm able to actually do that every day to help lift humanity and find uh, ways to very strategically and and um, measurably create impact in the world and use it as a tool for healing. Also, um, I think when we when we find our mission and our purpose in our life, which is why I, I created my podcast that'll come out, it helps elevate us almost to a place of it's not just about our experience; it's about this thing I call shared humanity, and we are all 
experiencing adversity at various levels at various times in our lives. And, you know, there's no one person's adversity that's worse than someone else's. I always say this because people will hear my story and they'll be like, oh, wow, I thought, I guess what I experienced wasn't so bad. And I say, no, no, no. Your experience is your experience and, and you need to step into it and feel it and own it. And we just don't have to live there. There's no, uh, it's just how we choose to like deal with it. And everyone has a right to have their feelings around what they've experienced and not dismiss it in any way, just because someone else's seems a little harder than others, but it does help put things into perspective right, though, right. like knowing that. So I'm so, going to uh, get an echo again. Hi. Is that better? Um, I think it's still echoing. Test one, two, three. Is anyone else? All right. All right. Yeah. Let, let me, folks, let me know if I'm echoing, but, you know, I, I think one of the problems right now, uh, or one of the challenges, I think, was specific challenges to, to, to what we're going through, specifically with COVID-19, is there doesn't seem to be an end in sight, right? There's, we don't have a comprehensive plan in place, and we know what the timeline is, and, and you know, we've got milestones that we're going to hit, and we keep track of, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for us, right? Because we don't, we don't, and so I'm sure that a lot of the, the crises that you dealt with there was not a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so that I imagine can be the hardest part of dealing in a, in a crisis um, and dealing with adversity is, you know, not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, not knowing where the exit is, not, you know, uh, you know I'm sure that there's, you know, voices, you know, a voice in the head that says, this is gonna be the way it's gonna be forever. It's never gonna get any better. And so is there any advice you can give folks that are that are kind of feeling that, you know, kind of feeling lost and helpless right now because they're because they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely have moments like that. I mean, I'm I'm not going to pretend I didn't have my dark times where, you know, I, I'm very conscious about trying to make sure I'm doing things that are continuously reinforcing my place in the world and my value and the things I've been through from a positive perspective, but we're all human and we're going to have moments where we just feel like I can't do this today. I can't. And it's okay because if we don't honor that part of ourselves and you try to stuff it down as if, Oh, I'll just overcome this and it'll be fine. It does not work. <laughs> it come back. It comes back much in a much bigger way later and kind of bites you in the backside. And so some of the advice I would give would be to, allow yourself, first of all, to feel your feelings around what you're experiencing. Because I think part of what we do a lot in society is uh, we think, uh, you know, we just need to um, just be strong, just be strong and, and overcome it and it'll be fine. And, and that's not what happens. If we don't feel what we're experiencing, then we don't understand it. And so by allowing ourselves, first of all, to feel it, it's important. But what we need to do is understand that we acknowledge it we embrace it, but we don't have to choose to live in that space for a long period of time. So being able to identify certain tools and things that feel good to you, that resonate with who you are as a person, whether it's, um, and I talk about reaching out and asking for help, you know, especially when you're a strong person who's kind of done everything on your own your whole life, or especially sometimes for men, you know, as a very much alpha men or alpha women, you know, I don't need any help. I don't need to ask for help. It's, it's almost seen as a weakness. Um, it's not, it's your greatest strength to be able to say, 
you know what, I just need some help and to find a counselor, a therapist or a spiritual advisor or start reading books about people that have gone through similar um, experiences and doing things that they can do. And quite frankly, one of the things I do every single day of my life is this little sucker right here, which is I have a bunch of these and these are my gratitude journals. And I literally write every day um, uh, as many gratitudes as I can for being grateful for what I do have, because especially when you're going through adversity and I've done it, it's really easy to think about the lack of what we don't have and, and to focus on that instead of just really embracing all of the incredible beauty of the things that we do have. And it, it's, it's important to remember that every day. That's sort of what the happiness advantage by Sean Acor was all about. You know, all that research they did, uh, with positive psychology and the 21 day happiness advantage, um, experience, you know, making sure you're writing your gratitudes is just paramount to understanding how to overcome adversity. Yeah. And, uh, Thomas, the, the Lord you know, boiled it down, cut yourself a break everyone, every once in a while. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and you mentioned something uh, a little while ago that I, that I want to come back to, cause I think it's really, really important. And that's, the the positive impact to yourself of being um, not only expressing gratitude but seeking to help others. So when we, I mean, there's scientific studies that show when you practice empathy and compassion and you're compassionate uh, to other people and you help other people, it boosts your immune system. That's right. It, it, it's it 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 is a, it has a physical benefit uh, to you. So. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I mean, that's what I got out of out of your story was that's one of the main things that carried you through all of those dark times of your life, uh, and that was this idea that you can help people, which gave you a sense of of, of purpose and value. Um, right. So, yeah, it's very interesting. All the research that's been done um, is really uh, uh, about purpose is is extraordinary because they do find that not only does it boost the immune system, it boosts the immune system in so many ways. It it increases heart rate. It lowers blood pressure. It increases brain mass in your in your brain. It uh, boosts metabolism. It helps with sleep. It helps with all these incredible physical things. And when it comes to your emotional side, it it literally gives you endorphins when you're doing something to help someone else. And you know, there's this whole thing about oh, you should do it. You know, from a from a place of not wanting anything in return. You don't need something in return, but there's nothing wrong with with wanting to do something that feels meaningful to you and fulfilling mm -hmm. because it's healthy for you. It's good for you. It, it, it increases your, uh, how you are in, in terms of your interpersonal relationship skills. And the one thing that's really interesting about the workplace, especially is um, Harvard business review did this really incredible work uh, several years ago around purpose in the workplace. And they were able to have executive leaders identify who they were and what they did in the company, but they didn't know what their purpose was in life. And so they were able to articulate like their identity around who they were and what they did as a, as a, as a, as an executive, as a business person, as a father. But what, what is my reason for being here on this planet? What is it that I can do that brings me absolute joy, you know, and makes me feel like I'm contributing to the greater good of humanity, which is, which is to me is really what purpose is about. And so being able to step outside your own pain, and do something for someone else, not only has all those great benefits, but it also helps bring back this perspective again to yourself of, yeah, I've had a lot of these horrible, terrible things happen and they weren't great, but 
I'm still here and I'm alive and I'm thriving and I'm healthy and I can do something that maybe helps someone else, you know, feel better about their life too, as something that's relatable. And so yeah. it's, it really is something that is just good for you on so many levels to be able to be doing something good for humanity. You do the same thing, you know, with your work, you've taken your whole career and shifted a, a very technical career into how can I do something greater for the planet, for humanity? And I, I, I just love that about you. I always have because, and don't you feel like that gives you a, a greater sense of well-being in your life when you do that, when you shifted to that space or when you've always integrated that? Yeah, I, I do it for the, uh, the uh, I forget what, the endorphins, what did you say? The endorphins? <laughs> the endorphins, yeah, I do it for the endorphins. <laughs> no, well, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, the, I mean, uh, the meaning of meaning in life is found through purpose in life. I mean, what is your purpose? Why are you here? Um, and you know, I think that I, I, I think that's a really quick part. I think a lot, a lot of suffering comes from people, you know, not knowing what their purpose is, and not, uh, and and some of that comes from them not believing that they they can do have anything of meaning, which is which is absolutely ridiculous because everybody is incredibly powerful to affect real positive change. Absolutely. Um, and you know, just maybe to talk about, and I just want to remind everybody: throw your questions. We'll we'll, we'll get to them. We'll get to the, the ones that we can. Um, you know, people people are suffering right now, and you know, I think this that some of the suffering that people experience um, can be avoidable. Um, and I, I and when I look back over my life, and I've, I've had difficult times in my life where you know, there was suffering involved. I think one of the main sources of suffering is a resistance to what is, right? And and there's no sense of resisting what is because it is. You can't, you know, at, at this moment, you can't change it, right? You can plan for, for what you, you know, to take steps to to change the situation, but that change needs to be rooted in an acceptance of what is because, um, it's already, it already is. It's too late to change what is. You can change what will be, but you can't change what is. And I think it's really important to, to, to build a foundation, uh, a bound, foundation of change. Cause I think that's where the alleviation of suffering comes from is, um, a plan to change what will be from an acceptance of what is, if that makes sense. It, it totally does. I think, you know, in the beginning of COVID, I think people were kind of doing that initially. It was almost like this collective giant breath that people took and were like, oh my God, I'm not alone in this. I'm, I'm, we're all in this, literally that phrase in this together was being thrown around quite a bit. And um, it, it's really important for people to understand that uh, suffering does come from within, you know? I'm not a religious person, but I respect every religion, but I, I, I'm a very spiritual person. And I do believe it's kind of that concept of, you know, life is 10% uh, of what actually happens to you and 90% of how you, how you interact with it or how you choose to interact with it. Um, and it sounds very simplistic and like, nah, that's not possible. Cause when those moments are happening, they are real and they will take you to your knees and you will definitely feel like you're, that's the 90%. Um, but if you can, force yourself to get into that glimpse of, okay, take a deep breath. You know, I, I do have the one thing I have control over, which is none of anything outside myself is this, is this and this. And how can I take these two amazing mechanisms that are part of my body, my makeup, my, 
my soul, my spirit, whatever it is you want to call it, and turn that into fueling it as the thing that's going to help me through this. And we always have a choice. We don't feel like we have a choice, but we do. We, we, we could choose not to get out of bed, but there will be consequences from that. You know, we'll probably not eat and not drink. And then that would be a bad situation. But you do always have a choice and you have a choice to get up out of bed and put one foot in front of the other and say, how can I, how can I put my best step forward today for myself and for humanity? Because I think one of the things we always do too is it, one of the things you can get lost in when it comes to purpose and helping humanity is forgetting that you are part of that equation. And so you can do so much for other people that sometimes you forget that it's okay to, to take care of yourself too. And that um, you don't want to be from a narcissistic perspective or, you know, an ego like, oh, it's all about me. But but you do have to remember that you are an individual, too. And it's good to have self-care. It's good to have self-love. It's good to be proud of some of the things that you've done in your life, which we're trained. I've talked before on different things where there's a difference between ego and self-esteem, you know, and we say, oh, don't have an ego. But we associate that with self-esteem. And no, you need to have a good self-esteem. And I, quite frankly, have struggled with that my whole life, not having a great self-esteem and, and making decisions from that place. Um, you know, I'm not perfect by at all. I've made a ton of, you know, cringeworthy mistakes. I wish I could do differently. Um, if we want to call it. Every, everybody has. Everybody has. And, and we learn and we grow, you know, and the things that the way that we handle situations or the way that we interact with people or things we do, we, you know, that's what forgiveness is all about too. Right. Not just forgiving, someone else but forgiving yourself because we are harder on ourselves than we are anyone else so when it comes to what you were saying about suffering that's where we can make a choice to sort of not allow ourselves to stay in that space it's it's um you know uh, the buddha says the suffering is 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 in here like we choose to have the suffering when we want to stay in those places and so um yeah, it's very interesting. And the other thing, too, about purpose I wanted to go back to when you said, you know, about how, how it's so good to help other people. And we sometimes we don't know where what that looks like. I think sometimes when people feel like they have to have a purpose, that it has to be some huge, grandiose thing, gesture, like, oh, I've got to affect X number of people to make an impact in the world. And I have to do it this way. And it's got to be this. So it feels insurmountable. And they're like, well, I guess I'm not going to really find my purpose. But that is not what that's about. Purpose can be as simple as one act of kindness for one individual and something that makes a difference in one person's life. It doesn't have to be something huge. And that is enough to feel like you're living your, your life on purpose. Um, so I, I want to make sure people understand yeah, it doesn't have to be some giant company that's doing cause marketing. That's, you know, that's amazing too. And that's hugely needed, but always know you can, you can live with purpose in a very small way too. And it's still extremely meaningful. Yeah. So, Let's let's uh, let, let's riff a little bit on on the suffering part because I think okay. a lot of people a lot of people are suffering, and I, I think there's a lot of concrete things that people can take away. And one is that we've already talked about is uh, alleviation of suffering comes from a foundation of accepting what is. Right? You don't have to say you don't have to accept what will be, but you need to accept what is because it already is. Mm -hmm. I think a, a, another part is to is to once you've accepted what is, then you can realize that you know, all growth comes from some discomfort and any, any suffering can be transmuted into growth and wisdom, right? Every, you can, there could be a fruit that comes from any suffering that, that is presented to you, right? And so, um, 
you know, there's all kinds of analogies about the, you know, the growth in dark times and, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the seed grows in the darkness of the, of the earth and, a, and we, our mind is rejuvenated in the darkness of sleep and, and, um, you know, a, a fetus grows in the, in the darkness of a womb to become a sentient uh, creature that's capable of pondering infinity and the meaning of life. Right. And so, so growth comes in dark times and uh, a lot of growth comes with growing pains too. Okay. And so, um, once we've acknowledged what is, uh, and once uh, from that foundation, uh, you know, it's very powerful to look for opportunities for growth in, in any suffering that's, that's presented to us. And a lot of times that you only get that, that wisdom, you only get that, that awareness of that growth in hindsight, right? We don't know necessarily at the moment, but when we look uh, at it from the perspective of our life and look back on our life, then, then a lot of times we see how important those times are. And not only from an individual point of view, but from a collective point of view too. That's right. You know, I hope that history proves that this, we're in the midst of the great transition, that we, we are at presently at, a, at an inflection point between two human epochs and that this was the start of, uh, of something that was, was better than what was before. And, um, so that, you know, we have a new status quo that's much better than the old status quo because because the present status quo uh, kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so that's a really beautiful statement, because I think when you've gone through a lot of adversity, it's easy to feel like you're broken and that you're damaged in some way. And in truth, it's not. You're really like every time something happens and you go through something and you come out of it the other side, you are a better version of yourself always and we if, it's easy to not feel that way when it's easy to be in a, in a state of victim mentality not victim mentality because victims have no control over it either but just a state it's easy to stay for sometimes for people to feel like i'm i'm not the best version of myself because all these things have happened to me i'm somehow damaged and and we're not i felt like that sometimes for sure and it took a lot for me to realize that no i am the everything that's happened has been almost this regeneration. And when you talk all the examples you gave about the growth we have out of darkness, one of my favorites I gave at a, a talk several years ago to this great organization here in LA called Metal International. And it was about journeying through the darkness into the light. And at the end of my speech, I used the example of the lotus flower. And I don't know if people don't really know where the lotus flower comes from, but it's, it has an amazing lifespan where it's this gorgeous, pink, beautiful flower that just looks incredible and that's out during the day. And at every night it closes up and it literally winds itself down into the mud, into the murky, sticky mud of the pond that it's in. And it stays there and it regenerates and it, it refuels and it stays in the darkness all night only to come out and emerge this incredible, beautiful flower again. And that, analogy sticks with me a lot because I think that that's what humanity is and I think that that's what we as humans are we are that incredible lotus flower and every yeah. single experience is that kind of thing um so I love that you brought that up because I, I really hope people realize that through adversity especially things you can't control uh we really are um a better version of ourselves every time we yeah. have an experience so Thomas is saying uh, it's easy to be big when times are good. It's hard. It's hard times uh, that proves one's soul. And, it, you know, it's interesting right now. There's a lot of cliches that are being proven true 
right? Like mm -hmm. the, the cliche, we're all in this together. We are literally all in this together. Every single person on the planet is affected one way or another by COVID. And what we were just talking about is the old cliche, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? <laughs> so, so, which is, I mean, it is, they're cliches. Just because they're cliches doesn't mean they're not true, right? Right, <laughs> so, exactly, so. it's true. They, they came from somewhere. Um, yeah. yeah, it'll be really interesting, interesting to see what happens because I think, it, again, in the beginning, people were feeling really united and then, you know, th things happened that we didn't expect um, that showed that there still really is unfortunate uh, division of, of lives and, and humanity and people. And, and we hope that we can live in a shared humanity, but there are things that different people of different lives and races and, you know, lifestyles and countries that experience that we, none of us can absolutely relate to for sure. Um, but the one thing that we can relate to is adversity and the theme of the pain that comes with that and how we hopefully can see each human being as someone who's experienced adversity, um, that we all have that same thread that weaves through us and, and figure out how we can help each other through that. Um, because, you know, we all, uh, our blood is all the same color and, you know, we all, <laughs> you would hope that most people would want everyone to have the same, you know, uh, ability to have a, a happy life and a, and a stable life and a safe life and all of those things. And, you know, I, I remember, um, Literally, I was probably eight years old, I think, at the time, and, and we were in this car, you know, sleeping behind a 7-Eleven late at night. Um, I was holding my brother, and my parents were asleep in the front seat, and it was a very cold winter night. And I remember, you know, there was, like, the, the sign of the liquor store over there with half the letters flashing, like, and uh, the cigarette smoke swirling up. And, and on the radio was playing that Bill Withers song, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, eight, thinking is this my life? Like, is this what it's going to be? It can't be. And and do other people have these experiences? Like how much of the other world is suffering? What are they going through? I mean, I thought about that stuff at eight years old. And so I agree with you. I think, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how we come out of this. I hope all of this stuff, I hope a better version of ourselves and having conversations with each other about it, hard conversations you know, that might be uncomfortable for people too. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, we talked about the benefit of helping others, right? That, that, that it not only helps others and helps society, but it helps ourselves too. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, you brought up a good point before about the importance of self-care. And uh, you know, I've spoken on the topic of expeditionary behavior. You know, uh -huh. we're, we're trained at NASA to have what's called expeditionary behavior, which means, you know, when you're in a hostile environment, you're you're isolated in a hostile environment, uh, and functioning as a team and with a, with a mission. You know, how do you accomplish that mission? And we are all uh, in a in a hostile environment. <laughs> if we walk outside our door, that's a hostile environment, uh, and uh, we're isolated. And we all have a mission, uh, and and we all have our own personal mission. But then our collective mission is to get through this. Um, and so what self-care talks about is you don't do the team any good if you become a burden yourself, right? If you've burned yourself out, if you, you know, aren't getting the rest, if you're not recharging, uh, if you're allowing yourself to get too stressed out where you're, you know, you're not functioning, if you're not firing on all cylinders, you're not doing anybody any good. As a matter of fact, you're, you're doing harm. You're, you're harming the team, right? And so uh, 
it's it is uh, it is a responsibility that folks have to do self care um, to take care of themselves. Um, not only responsibility to themselves and their family, but to society. Um, and so um, it's not a macho thing to <laughs> to to you know it, it, to to think that you can you're just going to tough this out and don't worry about me type thing. It's it's your responsibility to take care of yourself uh, um, and, and take the proper precautions uh, to. To make sure that uh, you're not a hazard to others and that they're not a hazard to you. No, I'm so glad you brought that up, especially because you know you and I are are involved with this incredible company, Fifth Element Group, and um, and funny we just had this discussion this week. So if any of the guys are watching or listening, I hope you're okay with me sharing this. But you know, it's it. I work with mostly men, um, and they're all. I have never worked with the most incredible, intentionally positive, kind, caring men ever. I mean, I've worked with some really great men in my career for sure, but, but all collectively in one space, so many. And the one thing that we always talk about is we always check in and, and make sure that people are taking care of themselves. And it's hard in companies, especially when, especially if you're a startup or you're, you're someone new to think that I can't just keep staying in the grind, staying in the grind. And then um, I'm going to be the weakest link if I don't take care of myself or something's going to, I'm going to miss something or whatever. You must take that time to have your, give yourself a day, you know, a, a, a day, an hour, those moments where you're just unplugging and you're doing that lotus flower, you know, regeneration type of thing because you, you are no use to yourself. Is that whole oxygen mask theory, you know, too. You're definitely no use to any team if you're not taking care of yourself, let alone your own self. Um, and so, and, and with COVID, the interesting thing I found, see, having done wellness programming and things like that for corporations, I was very curious to see what would happen with the work at home situation because uh, people would, I, I felt, I was fearful that companies would see that there was no boundaries because now that people were at home, they knew exactly where you were, you weren't going anywhere, you were accessible, I can reach you anytime and you should answer and reply, which is not healthy. No matter whether you're working from home or in an office, you have to be able to take that time for yourself, for your families. And all of the studies show that too with productivity. Like if you don't, you're certainly not as productive as an employee or or a leader um, in that situation. But I, I'm 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 gonna you know kind of like that um, trauma. It'll be interesting to see how that affects people um, working from home in situations and environments where they aren't they don't think they can shut themselves off and do that self care. Right. So I want to ask everybody who's tuning in to to send us send us what challenges you're facing right now. What stresses do you have? What what you know? What what are some of the things that you're trying to get over? And and uh, we'll discuss it. And um, um, Fifth Element Group. You want to yes. talk about Fifth Element Group? Yes. You're the chief Chief Impact Officer. What's a Chief Impact Officer do? Well, um, so our company is uh, called an Impact Consultancy, and what that means is that we create uh, strategies impact social impact strategies for brands and donors and impact investors to kind of help not only increase their ROI of their of their revenue but also at the same time uh, be able to funnel uh, you know funding and different types of things that will lift and do something for social impact for social good a cause that they care about and so being able we have different varying partners that have different levels and different skill sets and marketing and philanthropy and family office and um, um, space exploration. Yeah, space, I was going to mention you. Space <laughs> um, very cool people that really have taken all their skill sets and their talents to to try to do something extremely uh, beneficial that helps lift humanity and make great impact in the world. And um, everything from 
you know, uh, uh, water reclamation projects in different countries in Rwanda to helping raise money for the Yazidis, you know, that are struggling extremely in the countries that have gone through adversity. And you want to talk about adversity? That's one of them for sure. Um, you know, and, and different campaigns we've been involved in where we um, worked with uh, some good news network and some really cool things where we were able to bring in uh, funding to help match campaigns and those kinds of uh, incredible things. And so being able to be an impact consultancy that uh, every day gets to work with organizations that want to make a difference. They don't want to just make a dollar. They want to make a difference and put that dollar towards a difference yep. is really exciting. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a learning experience too. As we go, we're learning as we go and figuring out how we work and how we work together and how we work as a company. And uh, it's it's an absolutely extraordinary experience. I've never I've never been so happy, which is really really great. Yeah, because you're helping others. Exactly. Which, yeah. So here's, here's a note who, from somebody whose middle name is the same as my last name. That's what a coincidence. Oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's my cousin. And then, oh. <laughs> Here's here's one for you. I agree with that. Oh, really? <laughs> I can't believe he's watching. I haven't seen him forever. <laughs> well, cool. So, any other any other pointers or tips? Um, you know, I think I think it's going to be a really interesting and very challenging, obviously, rest of this year, possibly into next year. Um, you know, my, my first husband said something so profound to me when before about six months before he passed away. So I wasn't 30 yet. And uh, he or maybe I had just turned 30. I can't remember. And we were watching our wedding video and we were crying, obviously. And he leaned over to me and he he ran his hand through my hair and he said, I'm never going to get to see your hair turn gray. Mm -hmm. And for a young man to have such a profound understanding of his mortality and the ability that he's losing the gracious gift of being able to grow old and to be able to grow old healthy and to be able to have that chance to see his wife have gray hair, it really stuck with me. And the reason I bring that up is because um, when we go through hard times, and we think that there's no way out and we want to just cave and fall on the floor and cry. We can do that. It's okay to do that in that moment. But we need to remember that we are here on this planet for a reason. If we don't know what it is yet, there are ways to help us figure out what that reason is and that we have a gift. If we are able to be kind to people and be kind to ourselves and embrace adversity as a challenge instead of a threat, and see how we can get through that, we will have, hopefully all of us will have that gift of being able to even grow old and being able to watch our, our you know, siblings and our families and our friends and people be able to age gracefully um, because that's a real gift. And we're being faced with that possibility right now that that might not happen for some people and it hasn't happened for some people. And so as we go through these challenges, I, I just think if people could remember um, every day is a gift. Every single day is a gift. And that is another cliche, but it really is true. And it's, it's hard when you get caught up in the, in the minutia of all the things that we have to deal with every day, which is a reality. We can't control it, like you said, but we can choose to take a moment to just know that that moment, that day is a gift. And each day we get to have 
is another gift. And that's, I think, how I would leave it. Yeah, I mean, each day is a gift and each person in your life is a gift. A hundred percent. No matter how annoying they are. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Sometimes they're our greatest teacher. You know, sometimes sometimes those experiences are our greatest teacher too. yeah. I, I am very thankful for some really obnoxious people in my life <laughs> through the, throughout the years that, that I've, that I've learned from. Um, and it, it, I mean, it's all about, as you said before, it's all about gratitude. And you, you went through that horrible, you know, you know, everybody's worst nightmare, right? You, you went through it. I mean, that's after, you know, being homeless as a child and, and everything that you went through as a child, you had this, you know, you finally got to where you know, of the life that you wanted and it, and it was taken away from you. And, and then it happened again. And so, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely amazing that you're still not only standing, that you're still standing, that you're still standing and, and fighting and, and fighting in a way that's, that with the intention to benefit others is just, it's just breathtaking. Um, and um, what's your secret? <laughs> Uh, I drink a lot of water, <laughs> which is really good. Um, I guess my secret is, is just trying to <clears throat> trying to remember those precious moments that meant something to me, like I just shared. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, constantly doing a checklist for myself of, of the things I can control, things that I, you know, reaching out, doing a random act of kindness to somebody, sending them a note if you hadn't talked to them in a while. It's really easy to get inundated with communication, too, and and feel overwhelmed. I know I do, but, um, so you can't always talk to everyone, but just doing little things like that. And, um, I don't know. I just, I have a, I have a, I know this is going to sound crazy probably to some people because of what we're experiencing, but I just have a true, I truly have a, a, a deep faith in humanity that if we could all have these kinds of conversations and share our courageous vulnerability, like Brene Brown talks about, and know that we're not alone in our suffering um, and do more of these things, I think that we could really help create a better, uh, a better world. And it's pretty Pollyanna, I'm sure, but. No, no. Um, you brought up another really good point, um, which is you said, I, I deal with things I have control over. And, you know, in, in the, in uh, the space business, we do a lot of emergency training and in most emergencies, you're, if, you're not going to, you're not going to get through the emergency. You're not going to survive the emergency unless you focus on what you actually have control over mm-hmm. and, for, and just block out everything else, everything that you don't have control over. There's no sense spending a, an ounce of energy, a bit of mental processing on any of the stuff that you don't have control over. Just get, just ignore it and focus on the stuff that you have control over. And uh, that, that applies not just to the space station, but it, it applies to life on earth. Um, so here's a nice note from Nina Colosi. Um, thanks, Nina. Oh, thank you. Um, it's true. You can't you can't move a wall. You can't you can go over the wall and try and push against it as hard as you want, but you can't move it. So if you're trying to figure out, well, how can I get around this wall? How can I get over this wall? How can I live with the wall? If I can't move it, I'll have to figure out how to live in unity with it for a while. You know, you, you try to find those different ways to just, uh, and I don't want to say cope because it's not just coping. You know, you've got to find, you definitely cope at first, but if you can find ways to make it uh, a way that you feel like you're, you know, I, I, um, I have a lot of friends and a lot of having done cancer, been involved with cancer specifically, I kind of became this by default, this sort of cancer coach for about 10 years where I would 
give people all the information I had about how to navigate cancer and be in the hospitals and the insurance. And the, I mean, I did it twice. <laughs> so I, I really understood it. Um, and it, it, when people would survive, they would say, we wouldn't want to use that word. We want to say I'm thriving. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to find spaces where they, and, and try to feel things that they're doing well, that where they're thriving to remind themselves the areas where they're thriving. Cause again, it's so easy, especially right now. And with COVID and people trapped inside, I was even guilty of it. I'm not a news watcher. I don't watch the news. I read it. And I was getting myself completely caught up in the news, the daily news, the daily news. And I, I was like, Oh my God, I can't handle this. Cause it's nothing but negativity and you want to be informed. But at the same time, you don't want to put yourself down a rabbit hole of just nothing but bad news. And so, um, finding the things in your life that make you feel like you're thriving at, not just surviving or coping, but thriving. It's really important um, to know how to put that terminology into your life so that you feel good about yourself when you think about it in those terms. Like, right. okay, I'm not, you need, I'm not doing to, so bad. You need to sur-thrive. You, you need to what? Sur-thrive, I just made up a word. Uh, it works for me, let's hashtag <laughs> that. <laughs> so here's a, here's a note from one of the best bakers I know. Sur Sir Sab Abbott. Um, and, well, just real quick, quick story about uh, Sarissa. Um, when we used to, she, she was a, uh, a former NASA employee who, who um, when we did our spacewalk trainings in the big neutral buoyancy lab, she would always show up with uh, all this, all these baked goods, and we we pile as many calories into us as we could before we went underwater. But she brings up a good point. I mean, um, so, so true. If we share the burden, the load is not so heavy. Heavy, and and that's a that's a really important comment because again, what you said before is we're not alone. Mm -hmm. um, if we feel like we're alone, then we're going to, we're going to crumble under the pressure, but we're not alone. Um, right. So, right. And you know what? I will say this and my friends who, who happen to be listening will probably call me out on it. When I've been in my darkest times, again, I am not perfect and I always try to use my tools, but I have had pieces of my life where I completely cave and I'm like, I can't reach out to anyone. I'm in such a dark place. They're all dealing with their own stuff. I don't want to burden them. Oh my God. Oh my, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they actually would get kind of mad at me. Like, um, hello, what are we here for? We're friends, you know? Um, but when it gets to a point where it could go the opposite direction, where you're leaning so much on your friends and your community, that's when you know that you need a third party to kind of channel that through maybe a therapist or a a, a minister if you're religious or or some other outlet because it can get too much because at that point it's not productive it's just talk 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 talking and people are listening but they don't know how to help you and and they shouldn't be the ones to help you they can be there and be guidance and friends and kind but you should seek out somebody who's a professional that can really give you tangible tools to stop that dialogue if it becomes you know one side or the other i think that's important to remember Awesome. So how, how can, uh, how can people, you know, follow you on social media? How can, how can they find out more about uh, your new podcast? That's launching a world on purpose. Uh, what a great Everything title. Well. <laughs> what was yeah. that? Yeah, I said, it's a great title, a world on purpose. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's basically a really cool podcast. Uh, I call it engaging stories with change making heroes that are living with purpose for purpose and on purpose. So it's all with intention. It's all with the idea of doing this great stuff. And if all goes well, it'll launch the last week of July. We've had, um, I've had some challenges for the last couple of weeks that have kept it from going, but 
They could find it at a worldonpurpose.com, which is not live yet, because that's one of our challenges. And then social media channels will all be a world on purpose. I can be found at Alyssa Fisher Harris uh, on LinkedIn, on um, Facebook. Um, obviously, our and, and the spelling and the spelling is right below you. Yep, the spelling is right below <laughs> Alyssa Fisher Harris. Alyssa with an E, um, E L I S S A. Melissa without the M. And also Fifth Element Group. Um, they can go read about me on Fifth Element Group dot uh, com dot uh, group Fifth Element dot group. And um, my email is also on my LinkedIn. So um, I, I welcome anybody's questions, feedback. I, I really believe that now is the time more than ever that we need to uh, rally together and hear each other and be uh, the best advocates for humanity that we can. So I welcome anybody who has comments, questions, and feedback. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, this talk went really, really fast. We're almost at an hour already and uh, we're just scratching the surface. Um, so uh, let's try, you know, if, if folks didn't, um, you know, if they have challenges that they're facing or stresses are facing, they didn't, you know, they didn't have an opportunity to, to put it in there uh, or you're watching this uh, later, um, put them in the comments and we'll try, we'll try and uh, get to them. We'll try and, we'll try and um, if we have something, to offer, then we'll we'll try and uh, <clears throat> help in that respects. But Alyssa, you are you're a, you're a superhero. You don't have your costume on right now, but you're definitely you're definitely a superhero. Oh, and uh, I am uh, I am really honored to to not only know you, not only call your friend, but work with you and 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 be a part of Fifth Element Group as well. And so, um, thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for all you're doing to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it, as it looks from space. Um, and thanks to, thanks to everybody who tuned in uh, and thanks for your questions and your comments and uh, tune in, uh, tune in next week. Same time, same channel. Thank you for doing this show, by the way, Ron, thank you for having me and doing this show because I think people really need it. It's, it's my pleasure. See you next week, everybody. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the orbital perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space.